I once had a pastor tell me, it's not a matter how many people serve you, but how many people you serve that determines the quality of your ministry. My question before you today is, how many people are you serving and do you love the people that you serve? Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and let's learn how we could be servants of Christ. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Menes here. So glad to be with you guys in studio as we continue our study here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, I got to say, before we dive into podcast 189, cover only two verses. These two verses are some of my go-to verses when it comes to guiding and counseling people in ministry. I have turned to this passage numerous times in my career as a pastor, as a minister, as a Christian apologist, you name it. And it, 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 it always convicts me and I struggle through it. Now you may be familiar with this passage. Maybe you're not. So let me just go ahead and just read them to you and kind of set the stage and understand why these two verses are so vitally important especially the culture that we're living in today with celebrativism, with, you know, the self-centeredness, with the apathy, uh, with how big people try to maintain their platforms in ministry and judge the quality and the effectiveness based on that rather than their love and care for the people that they are called to serve. Now, don't get me wrong. Let me just say this for clarification. Because I don't want to, I don't want my viewers and listeners to misinterpret what I am saying. I get it. And even, even for our ministry, there are people who read our books and listen to our podcasts and articles, et cetera. And even when you're speaking in large audiences, you can't effectively minister to every single need. Okay. Um, so I'm not saying just because you can't, your ministry is not effective. But what I'm saying is in terms of you being a shepherd, someone who is called to care for the flock and you have a designated, right? Not just number, but a, a group of people that have submitted to your authority. That's what I'm talking about. That those particular people um, are called to effectively minister to that flock of people. And the needs will vary. A lot of them, there's a lot of commonalities. A lot of things that I faced ministering from Arizona to North Carolina to around the world that, that are very common among married couples, individuals, men, young people. But then you get some unique cases. And everyone is unique and special because it's dealing with a person's life, someone's soul. And so we have to really be sensitive to that. So here in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8, why these, these two verses are so powerful and they're my go-to verses as I counsel with people in ministry and when I'm struggling, I def, you know fall back to this and review it time and time again. So even as I was preparing for this podcast and studying for this several months back and as I review even this morning, it hits me every time, you guys. And so the title is, Do You Really Care for the People You Serve? Because notice what he says in verse 7 but we were gentle among you 
like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, verse 8, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. You see what I mean? In essence, what Paul is doing here is he uses two family metaphors to highlight his integrity among the Thessalonians. So he is equating or illustrating, I should say, his ministry, he's likening that to a infant child and a mother. Later, we're going to see him throwing in a third family metaphor, and he's going to use the father. Now, to bring you up to speed, and again, as always, if you've missed any previous podcasts, listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to standstrongministries.org and click on the podcast there. But if you go back to verse four with me in First Thessalonians chapter two, and, and again, remember, Paul was saying in verse three that there's an appeal that does not spring from error or impurity. A lot of people are taking advantage of others in that day. Like we see today, I would say it's even worse because of not just technology and social media, but there's more people. And so we, you know, sadly, people have had time to perfect how to scam other people. And it happens all the time. And so he was saying that we do not receive our approval from man, but it comes from God who's entrusted us, verse four, with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor the pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Okay, so in the negative, that's what Paul was, he was defending his ministry saying, we do not do X and such. For example, we did not come to you with impure motives. We didn't come with flattery of speech. We didn't teach you false doctrine. We weren't trying to please others to gain approval and receive some type of status. We didn't come with demands. We didn't bully you. You know, one of the things that we're seeing a lot today is spiritual abuse that, that, that is being written about and people coming out with stories, whether they were in full-time ministry. Recently, we just had the founder of Hillsong, Brian Houston, who from Australia comes out that he was inappropriately, and, and again, we don't even know the extent of it. And on and on we go with people who spiritually abuse. One of the, the biggest, most famous in recent years, as I'm recording this, was Mark Driscoll. For years, people had issues with his temperament, with his attitude, very demanding, firing people on the spot, using bully tactics, non-disclosure agreements before people left. That, my friends, is not a shepherd, plain and simple. Plain and simple, that is not a shepherd. That is not an example of Christ. And so, Paul is saying we didn't use our position of authority to bully you. And yet we see a lot in the West. Just because someone's famous, just because someone is preaching behind the pulpit, just because somebody is in front of a mic, just because somebody is on stage and they got a lot of people giving them amens, 
does not mean that we encourage bully tactics or overlook spiritual abuse. And so Paul encouraged the church to, you know, come alongside and support ministries that he was involved in. And so he lays these things out that he did not do, right? He was not taking advantage of them. And one of the things I challenge you guys listening is I want you guys to consider your environment. The leadership that you're currently under. I do the same. I'm not saying that you agree with everything they do, but I will tell you this. If they're not teaching the word, if you have attempted to try to go to these shepherds, people that you've submitted you and your family under, and repeatedly you get nothing from them, that is not a church to be involved in. Pray for them. You can go to them peacefully and confront the issue. You can show them 1 Peter 5, 1 Timothy 3, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to verse uh, 20. Those are good passages to talk to them respectfully to say, hey, look, you know, this is what you're supposedly called to do. And we are, we have submitted to this authority, but we're not being ministered. The Bible says that you are shepherds and overseers of our souls, that you are to instruct us, that we are to imitate and consider your way of living. We're to imitate your faith. And I've tried. This isn't just saying, oh, it's it got a great program and I like the sermons. Guys, community in the body of Christ is way more than that. So one of the things that I want to help you as we're going through this, when you're looking at what Paul's talking about here now in verses seven and eight, is I want you to consider not just the leaders that you are under, but how you are caring for the people that God has called you to minister to. Now, again, it will look different, right? From what you're dealing with, to what I'm dealing with, or somebody else, or your spouse, or a friend. Some of you listening are in full-time ministry. You're, you're a pastor, you're a director, you're in a ministerial role, you're a missionary, you have your, your own nonprofit, you run a support group. And so I want you guys to know here on this podcast, we support you, we love you, we want to partner with you. If you have prayer requests, if you have questions, you can email me info at stanstrongministries.org and I will do my best to provide comfort, support, answer questions, maybe give you a, a necessary, you know, God divine appointment to connect with somebody, whatever. Because let me tell you guys, my wife and I were just talking about this recently. We have so many stories that we are hearing through the years and it just seems to just es escalate to the point where a lot of the people that I talk to that are in ministry are really considering leaving the ministry. They don't know much. They don't know how much longer they can continue to to deal with what they're dealing with, and how they are suffering through some personal issues. And then in the public spectrum of the ministry, it's hard for them. So I want you guys to consider those people that you're under, but also I want you to consider the love that you have for the people that you're called to, to shepherd. Because the vast majority of you listening, you may not be in a full-time ministerial role, 
But that doesn't mean that you're not, again, I say this a lot in the ministry and on the podcast here, ministry isn't just that. Ministry is in the marketplace. You know, I'm able to do what I do because so many businessmen and women support Stand Strong Ministries. They support what I do, what God has called me to do. That's ministry. That's a partnership. That's the body of Christ. We are all using the resources charitably, generously, faithfully to help advance the gospel of God's kingdom. And we are all to contribute in that. And we're to work together because we're all different members of the body, 1 Corinthians 12. But I'm telling you guys, if we are serving, and it really isn't serving if we do it grudgingly, if we are complaining and critical or we don't care for what we're teaching and who we're teaching it to, that's not serving. You're just fulfilling a requirement. And like we talked about last podcast and podcast 188, Maybe you're just seeking the approval of man. That's why you're doing it. So you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. So here we see now, as we're getting into this intimate conversation that Paul's having with the Thessalonians, he's bringing out the positive. And notice here, and this is such a powerful word that Paul uses in the Greek for being gentle. We were gentle. So remember, we weren't taking you for granted. We weren't demanding spiritual abuse. But rather, we were gentle. The Greek word is nepoia. And it, it's referring to an infant child. Okay, so an innocent, uh, harmless, little infant child. That is how gentle and soft and cuddly, right? And adorable Paul was to the people that he was called to serve. So I want you guys to just pause and think about this because this is one of the questions I ask pastors specifically ranging from small churches to mid-sized to big to mega churches is how gentle are you among the people that you are shepherding i want to hear what they say see an infant uh was it, it, and again just like back then as it is today is is innocent and needs to show you know, because there's a form of helplessness. And that's, I guess that's what I'm, I, I'm, I'm pausing as I'm, I'm reconsidering this and I'm even looking at my notes because it, it really just strikes me what Paul is saying. And again, every time you look at this, something new comes out, right? Which is amazing. There's vulnerability here. He's not bragging. There's vulnerability, my friends, right here. There's a gentleness there, there's a there's a caring that he is saying here. He, there's a form of helplessness, and he's recognizing that. So by using an infant and now a, nurse, a nursing mother, and now remember, it was common in Paul's day for traveling speakers to take advantage of the people, very common as it is today. So Paul wants to use familial language. Why? Because when you and I, especially if you're a parent, grandparent listening, you understand immediately. When, when you talk about love and protection from a father-mother perspective, we get it. I mean, there's no greater love than that here on earth. Parents for their children. Now, obviously, that comes from a husband and wife dynamic. But when you give birth to a child and you care for this child and you give for this child, 
and you aim to please and to guide and to counsel. And as your kids get older, like my two older ones now in college and stuff, it's like, you know, you, you do become like their friend where you share so much in common and you've worked so hard to help their futures and you anticipate great and mighty things from God in their lives. There's just so much comfort and security in that. And you laugh together and you bond. You love to spend time together, whether it's watching a movie, playing a board game, talking about the Bible, going to work out with my son or talking with my one of my daughters about philosophy or a book that we're reading together or out there playing basketball with one of my kids or whatever, drawing with another one. It's so much fun. And Paul is, that's what he, guys, that's the level where he's connecting. And so, yes, I challenge people who are in ministry, even if you're serving in a capacity at your church as a volunteer, but you have people under you, do you invite them over? Do you hang out with them? Do you spend time with them? Do you look forward to being with these people? How are you communicating a love language or what kind of love language are you communicating? How are you protecting these people that are under you? How are you providing for their needs as Paul was doing for the Thessalonians? He was gentle in the midst of these former paganistic people who were rough around the edges and a huge you know, metropolitan city that was hustle and bustle and had a lot of deities and divine figures that they've erected in altars to worship. And, and yet he didn't come like a bully bulldozing through all that. He came with a gentle spirit and like a nursing mother. He was innocent in his, in his nurturing like a wet nurse. That's what he's saying. So he's showing vulnerability that I am not a threat. I'm like an infant child. That's how gentle and caring I was. As a mother cares and mothers listening, you know, and, I, and I've said this before on the podcast and I'll say it again. There is nothing more tender than when you see a mother cuddling with her infant child and nursing that baby. And it's not just feeding them, giving them the nutrients, nutrients, though that's very, very important, obviously. But how God has created that connection between that child and that mother, that is what Paul is communicating. So let's consider now how you and I get fed God's word. Are the people in your life you're teaching you the word of God like a wet nurse? Are they caring and feeding you like that? Because that's what Paul says when he was taking care of the Thessalonians. He says, I was nursing you and caring for you, giving you the, the spiritual and physical and relational and communal nutrients that you need. That's his integrity. That's the innocence. Elsewhere, Paul conveyed the same tender care to the Corinthians. He wrote to the Corinthians he says, here for the, for the third time, I am ready to come to you and I will not be a burden for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So notice he was saying, I don't want to be a burden. And that is so true as a father of four kids. I don't want to be a burden for my children. I want to lift their burdens when necessary, right? Not do everything for them but I want to help lift their burden. The other day I was 
running around doing a bunch of projects and trying to get back into my office to finish some things. And one of my kids was working on a project and didn't ask for help, but I just felt like I needed to say, Hey, what's going on here? You know, what are you doing? And just kind of serving what was going down. And then along the way, just kind of guiding and helping them work through something and not doing it for them, but kind of asking some questions and kind of redirecting them. And in the end, probably save them, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes, an hour of work, but they were doing it smartly the right way. And of course it was, it was a good moment and they were very thankful. And I was thankful to see that, that, you know, that time with that kid be very fruitful and you know that those things they hit you and so as a as a minister of the gospel when you look at the the audience when you look at your flock are you feeding them are you caring for them are you providing for them are you more concerned about their burdens than them meeting your needs now i'm not saying needs and in, in the sense in a vulnerable sensitive way because a lot of people in ministry myself included you have to be very careful of the people that you confide in. Okay, there's wisdom in that. And I even tell people who've been victims of violence and sexual molestation that you gotta be very careful who you tell your story to or who you, who you are seeking supposedly counsel from or who you are entrusting your life with because if people have taken advantage of your innocence before and you haven't learned through that and put up safeguards and have a support system that can really walk you through how to recover from that, then, and because I've seen it in pastoral counseling, people fall back into it again. So we have to be careful how we communicate, not just in caring for the flock, but who we're communicating with when it comes to our own lives. So here, Paul, there's a great balance because as he's being vulnerable to them, He's also making sure that he's focusing on their needs and how he met those needs. The amazing thing is in the Old Testament, God described himself as a mother caring for her children. So the, the powerful thing here is, is that Paul is using the example set forth by God in Christ in the flesh, the incarnation. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Isaiah 49, 15, Isaiah 66, 12 to 13, you can look up those passages and see where God described himself as a mother caring for her children. So this is powerful, my friends. So I want you to think about in your life, are you gentle and are you like a wet mother, a wet nurse taking care of, like, you know, wet nurse who takes care of her children? Are you doing that with the people that you're called to serve? Do you really care for the people that you are serving? Verse eight now, so being affectionately desirous. So not only does he give two familial metaphors to communicate to the Thessalonians his love for them, but then in verse eight, he unpacks it and he expresses in this term affectionately desirous. It literally means that we have a deep eye, that is Paul, I have a deep longing. I yearn for you guys. I take pleasure, he says, we, are, we, we were ready. We take pleasure to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Now, let's pause here and say this because <laughs> man, that is so convicting because how many times, and just recently I have to confess 
we were invited to a certain thing and my first instinct, first reaction, as again, I run through like my writing and my deadlines and I don't want to do that. And, you know, it's wrong. It's not a matter of what I want to do. It's what, what should I do for these people? And that's what matters. Now, obviously we're committed to, by the way, just, you know, we're committed to fulfilling this obligation and I'm looking forward to it now. I really am. And that's a change of heart. You know, you get convicted and you're like, no, that's, that's not, I need to take pleasure, take pleasure in sharing my life in the gospel of God with other people. And notice Paul says, even our own lives. And the sad reality is you think about how many, how little these days people actually ask for something because they're, they're afraid of being turned down or they don't want to, um, you know, risk somebody saying, oh, you know, really? I have to do that for you and have to go through that sometimes. Remember I talked about earlier, that's not really serving when you come with an attitude like that. You're just, you're not even fulfilling anything. You're just, you're just sitting in a space, occupying this space to get through whatever project or service that was presented to you. And you, and you, and you and I, how many times did we blow it? We just completely overlook the joy of giving our lives as Christ has done for us. And again, we don't even, to what extent does that even compare to Christ most of the time? He laid his down, he laid down his life for you and me. He was ridiculed for you and for me. And a lot of us, let's be honest, are not even willing to take someone to lunch and for their birthday or somebody breaks down, I don't know, and they put on social media and you're like, dude, I'll be right there in a minute. You know, when your buddies. Maybe it's a 30 minute drive, whatever, but, or somebody says, Hey, I, I need some money to fix a car and, and you're able to do that. And maybe it may, you know, cause you not to buy something else or go on that vacation. But what's more important? I mean, the list could go, go on. Somebody has a tree that fell down in their, in the yard and they need somebody to come over and help them. Are you willing to do that? We had a donor friends of ours who are in, a bad situation. He's dying and hospice has been called and, you know, it's really worn on us. We're really, really sad to see the state he's in and was there recently. And we've, we've told the family, you know, when I'm in town, you know, I, I, and, you know, work out my schedule, let me know. Even sometimes it's a, if it's a last minute thing, just please let us know how we can serve you guys how we can be there for you guys to show the love of Christ, to sacrifice a little time. No big deal. It's very rewarding. And he says, because you have become very dear to us. That's why you do it. And please tell people that the people that you serve, whether it be in your family, people that you work with, colleague, friend, particularly you guys at church, stop a few people in the hallway you're serving, you know, in a class at a small group with other leaders, let some of them and your leader included, let them know that you're, that they're dear to you. See, as an apostle, Paul used his authority to do what? To, to demand for them to take care of his needs, to treat him as a celebrity, wherever he, wherever he went, he had green rooms and 
he had hit certain bottles of water and certain type of Skittles or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, was he looking to be treated differently? No. He was coming to them, yearning to be with them, taking pleasure to be with them. He was using his authority to love and care for the Thessalonians. So when you look at this phrase again, this affectionately desirous, again, referring to a deep longing, a yearning, it's not a word that is commonly used by Paul. Which when I refer to this passage with people in ministry, notice I say that Paul is using language that he very often didn't use elsewhere. So he is really communicating to the Thessalonians like he has never done and or will do. Remember, this is his second letter out of the, out of the 13. He is communicating to them on a level that is expressing a deep, grounded love and affection. That Greek word is homeo romineo. It's to be drawn to someone with deep affection and longing. Think about the people in your life. Do you have that with them? Do you have a, are you drawn to certain people? Do you have a, a deep affection and longing? The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says, quote, the rarity of the term selected here in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 brings out the peculiar nature of the relation of the apostle to the community. This consists in a warm inward attachment. The apostle is impelled by it to serve not only in unconditional obedience to his commission, but also in heartfelt love for the community, end quote. So here's a simple translation of this particular passage that reads like this, because we loved you so much, we were ready to share with you. That's in essence what Paul is saying. That's what, that's what he's saying. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a pause here and we're going to pick things up on the next podcast and look at verse nine about how Paul then shows the labor of love. Because it's one thing that you can say, you know, that you love people a certain way. Now be careful because, you know, the more explicit, you know, that you are in, in the love that you have for someone, you know, big words, there needs to be big actions to back that up. You need to be able to support that. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next podcast where Paul is able to communicate and show them and demonstrate. And of course, as he's communicating this in verse nine and following, we'll see in the next podcast, of course, the Thessalonians benefited from the labor of love that Paul had to serve them. So I hope and pray, my friends, that when you look at the people that you're under, ask yourself the question, do they care for me? Am I cared by the people who, who are leading and ruling over me? Not in a domineering way, but as a servant. And secondly, look at the people that God has called you to serve and what does that look like? And I pray that you will be serving more people rather than seeing how many people serve you. So I pray that is a blessing to you guys. Appreciate you guys listening. Hope that you've been encouraged and grounded and that you be more steadfast in your faith as you and I gather together and study God's word. May God continue to bless you and your family. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. Music.